Good evening. The Calm Christian here. Reading the Bible and searching the scriptures to help to understand. I was looking at an old, I wasn't actually looking, I was listening to an old podcast that I found on Overcast and it's called Walk with the King. And it's one of those old radio broadcasts from yesteryear with a Dr. David Cook. And he was saying that the Lord is the one that makes us saints. God is the one that sanctifies us. But we have to be faithful. We have to put ourselves in the reach of God. And God reaches everywhere. But we have to bring ourselves under the submission of God so God can do his work. If we are not faithful, then how can God continue his work of sanctification uninterrupted like if you say you're a christian you don't go to church you don't want to serve don't read scriptures don't pray how is god going to work because he's always going to be sort of at you know you're you're still going to always be back at the beginning like you need to advance but anyways i was looking at the bible and it says here in the following at the end of Genesis 1 it says Genesis 1 31 and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day Genesis 2 thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So when it says the seventh day, well, first of all, was that day Saturday? Did the seventh day of God's creation be a 24-hour period? I guess so. Do we know for sure it's Saturday? I would say no, we don't know for sure, but maybe the Jews have been keeping the records all the way through. I think they could have missed a week, but that's just what I think. That's just my personal speculation. They are very methodical. But I want you to notice that there's a pattern in Genesis 1, the evening and the morning were the fifth day, the evening and the morning were the sixth day, the evening and the morning were the seventh day. And then it says... God rested on the seventh day. And there's no more evening and morning pattern. So that pattern is not repeated. Um, It's not written down. And there's a reason why it's not written down. And the seventh day, seven represents, you know, completion. Like the seventh day, I guess there would be a seventh day. And then there would have been, you know, an eighth day and a ninth day, etc., etc., etc. And... That first seventh day, has it's always been seven, right? Like that first day that God blessed. Did he bless just the one day? Did he bless subsequent days? Or, um, or it's funny how the seventh day has no evening and morning. So it's almost as if the, it was the whole seventh day. The seventh day wasn't just a 24-hour period. I mean, literally it was, but symbolically it was to represent the completion and finishing of the earth.
the it was like a it was like a period of time. It started in Genesis two verses one. When did it end? When did the seventh day, quote the seventh day unquote, end? I would say it ended at the cross. But notice the seventh day is kind of a symbol for God's earthly creation. And it should have stayed perfect, but for the fact that the human race, us, Adam and Eve, whatever you want to, however you want to think of it, they, we messed it up. We sinned. We brought down God's perfect creation. We brought it down. Because Romans 8 says that it was subject to vanity. Is that the earth was subject to vanity? The entire universe? Did, is there anything else in this universe? Was it subject to death? Like maybe there are other, are there other beings in this universe or is there nobody else here? Like because we see quasars and we see, um, you know, supernovas and we see black holes, which were supposed to be the death of suns. So is there death everywhere in the universe because of what the human race did? Like the whole of this creation or the whole universe or this whole earth or the whole solar system, is that got sin? Like if there was another race somewhere and they were also sinners, you know, they also had a sin problem. Would they need a savior too? Like how, how would they get a savior? Like how many worlds would Jesus have had to have died on? He died on this planet, but what about other ones? Would they need a savior too? Or are they all perfect? And if they're all perfect, are they still part of this creation? Is, it there, is there a veil thrown over our eyes that we can't see other perfect worlds? Or maybe they can see us? Or is this? are there multiverses that are all perfect except for this one? I'm just asking questions I can't possibly hope to answer. But I think I'm allowed to ask the questions because my faith doesn't really um, lend. It doesn't lean on my own understanding as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It leans on having faith in God's word and God's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it seems to me that the seventh day, uh, as written in Genesis 2, the way it's written, wasn't just 24 hours. It extended all the way from Genesis 2, 1 to a certain period in the past. And if I turn to, if I turn here, let me go to Exodus 16. Let me go to Exodus 16, if I can find it quickly. Exodus 16. Got these brand new, super big Bible tabs for my Bible. So now I can turn the pages, get to certain books quicker than trying to guess. Bible tabs really do help. Moses says... In Exodus 16, he says the following, Exodus 16, verses 22. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn, solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, 
and it did not stink and there was no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So it seems that the seventh day or every seventh day, because I thought God only blessed the first seventh day. But now it seems that the seventh day or every seven days on the calendar is the Sabbath day. How do we know it's, it was, how do we know that their Sabbath day corresponded to our Saturday? We don't know. Because my church, my former church, used to teach that, oh, we have to go into a building and keep the Sabbath day holy. And it's not just for the Jews, it's for everybody. But as we have, as I have found out and realized, the Sabbath day seems to be part of the old covenant. And certainly the old covenant, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and the other things, those commandments in the Ten Commandments, they are, they are the law, but it's the law of the earth. It's the law that's passing away. It's the law of an earth that was, was diminished by our sin. And now the new law on earth, the, the, the law that God had to give sinners was the old covenant. It was rules. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. But the rules were for the external world. It didn't really change the heart, did it? Maybe it was good training. It was good morality. It's a good way to bring somebody up. Hey, honor your, your father and your mother. Well, you would think that if you honor your father and your mother, it's because you love your father and mother. And you, and you could. But it seems that that law doesn't really have anything to do with the heart. It was more about the external world, your external actions. Like were there some people who honored their father and mother on the outside, but on the inside they hated their father and mother? Remember those guys in Jesus' time? He said, you, you guys have made null and void the commandments of God because you say to honor your father and mother, and then you say Corbin, which is a way that you use to get out of paying your mother and father money supporting them you just take all your money and donate it to the temple and it was this thing they made up because there's no Corbin in Exodus 16 or Exodus 20 that's something that the Sadducees the Pharisees the religious establishment made it's a commandment of men and Jesus said this is hypocrisy you say you love you say that you're honoring your father and mother but you can't even do that because your heart is really against doing what God says but notice that the, the Sabbath day was kind of built in to the Ten Commandments. It was a symbol of God, but the Sabbath day is not alive. You know, going into a building and keeping Saturday, um, in Exodus 16, it's obeying God. But it seems that it was given to the Jews, and, and there was no Ten Commandments, because if we turn from Exodus 16 and we go to Exodus 20, it would seem to me, it says in Exodus 20, verses 8, and these are my opinions, of course. I don't tell anybody what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Is that now we have the Sabbath day commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in, in our church, the one that I grew up in, it's, it's like you have to keep the Sabbath day. You have to obey God. And if you go into a church on any other day, which is, which is the implication, if you go to church on Sunday, you are disobeying God. You are not doing what God asked. But my church, that old church, never said anything about old covenant and new covenant. They don't teach that. They don't seem to get it. They don't seem to understand that Jesus declared, I am making a new covenant with my blood. So the old covenant, the transactional rules, came to an end at the cross. Does it mean the law of Mo the Ten Commandments was done away with? Well, what it means is that God had a new covenant, and the new covenant was about connecting to God through his Son. Jesus was the new covenant. Jesus was the way. Jesus was the truth. Jesus was the life in John 14, 6. But Jesus' life was about loving God and doing his will. Not just doing something as a rule, but doing it because you love God. Because you want to please God. 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God always wanted us to love him. When was the day that God never wanted us to, 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 to interact with him through love. It was through having a new covenant heart, a God-centered heart, a God-oriented heart. It was always about love and relationships. God didn't want people to connect to him through rules. Rules are cold. They're transactional. It's like a robot. I will do this for you, God. It will make you happy. Yabba, dabba, do. Like those guys that got cloned when you know Fred Flintstone got cloned they were just robots they were zombies they just said things without any emotion or any feeling the Ten Commandments was good for the Jewish people coming out of Egypt because they were totally lawless but the Old Covenant is really just it's like training wheels God never wanted you to to, to, to connect to him through training wheels. He wanted you to learn to ride the bike. He wanted you to learn how to, how to interact with him on a personal one-to-one -one level. And that's not about the law. It's about love and relationships. Romans 13, 8 says, love fulfills the law. The law of Christ, Galatians 6, 2, which is love, fulfills the law of Moses, which is in Exodus 20, which is the rules. If you love God, you will automatically fulfill the rules. My old church didn't teach us that. It taught that we have to obey God. We have to go into a building on the Sabbath, which we presume was Saturday. You can't do anything else. When you rest, you can't watch CNN and you can't do this or you can't do that. It was, it was totally legalism. It was just trying to score points with God, just try to write your own ticket. These are lies. No, they never even differentiated between Old Covenant and New Covenant. In, in Hebrews 10, 25, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. It never said when you could go to church. It made sense to me later on 
why somebody said to me, why a Christian said to me, well, we go to church on Sunday, the first day, because Jesus rose on Sunday. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. But what I was told was, it doesn't matter because the Ten Commandments says the Sabbath, which is by implication Saturday. That's not how God wanted us to interact with him. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Our, my former church turned Saturday into an absolute burden. They did the same thing that the, Jew, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did when Jesus said, you, you shut up heaven and you make, it twice as, you make everybody else twice as much a son of hell as you are. You're just creating rules and transactions to get people to do what you want, to follow your rules. You think you're God. You think your hermeneutics are what God wants. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want you just behaving one way on Saturday and then just after the, after the Sabbath day closes, just open up the marketplace and start cheating people again. Jesus and God always wanted us to love him 24-7. That's why there's no Sabbath in the New Covenant. That's why one of the fruits of the New Covenant has nothing to do with Sabbath keeping. God wanted your heart to always love him 24-7. No matter what you were doing, whatever you were doing in life, whatever pleasure you were doing or whatever you were doing for God, you did all to the glory of God. Not just one day acting all weird and funny and, 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 and stuff like that. It, it doesn't make sense. This is what it says here. It says in Romans, if I find Romans, let me find Romans quickly. Romans 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that so amazing? And if we go back to Matthew 28, it says, Now after the Sabbath which we assume was the Sabbath, was it Saturday? Was it another day? Was it the Sabbath of the calendar, the, the Jewish Sabbath in Exodus, or was it another Sabbath? Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. There's nothing here about going to church on, on the first day of the week, but it would make sense that the Gentiles would do that. We were taught that the Sabbath day was like a talisman. You know, it was holy time. If you kept the Sabbath day, that you are scoring points with God. And this is just wrong. This is just really wrong. When I read the scriptures in its entirety, from Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, I would want to tell people in my former church, and they wouldn't listen to me anyways, we have been taught something that is wrong. We have been taught a lie by a false woman who claims to be a prophet of God, 
who has dreams, she says, where the fourth commandment is glowing in heaven. This is outrightly wrong. This is heresy. This contradicts scripture. Scripture doesn't say anything about the fourth commandment glowing in heaven. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. This is what she wrote. This is what dreams she said she had. This is what she said that angel messengers told her. This person was either lying or she was crazy. She's making things up and the people and the people of my church believed her because her and her husband founded the church that I came from. So they exalted her as a prophet of God, as someone speaking for God. This is blasphemy. Only Jesus Christ is speaking for God. Because Jesus said, whatever my father says to me, that is what I tell you. Jesus says that the father is speaking to him and him alone. Not this lady. This is just really wrong. Why do people make up all these things? Why don't they just do what the scripture says? It says here in Ezekiel 20 verses 12, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them. I assume that it's the Jewish people that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Saturday keeping, going into a building on the Sabbath day and trying to act, quote, all holy, unquote, in a very unnatural way, in a way that you would not act the rest of the week, can do nothing for you. It cannot change you because it says the Sabbath day is just a symbol. It's just a symbol of the God who changes you. And God decided to speak to us through the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ is a man born of Mary who has God living in him 100%. God sanctifies Christians through the blessed Lord Jesus Christ, through the new covenant, not through the Sabbath keeping, not through any day that you go to church. That's just religion. God sanctifies us through relationship with him through Jesus Christ. There was no mention to us about Old Covenant and New Covenant. Nobody checked their Bibles to see that they had been lying to, lied to, including yours truly. Finally, I started to check when I was 50 years old, even though I was in a Bible study with Baptist people for 20 years. Finally, I decided to, I've got to check to see why things are the way they are. And then when my wife put our children into a Pentecostal church Christian school, I finally had had enough. And I said, I need to get to the bottom of this. Why my former church has a woman in there who says she's speaking for God. And why do we go to church on Saturday when the majority of people go to church on Sunday? And the more I dug and the more I tried to verify the Bible and with what other Christians were saying about my old church and about what they were saying about church, the more I began to realize I have been lied to. 
I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. God gave us his, his holy scriptures. All of it is inspired prophecy and words from God for correction, for reproof that the man of God may understand and discern truth and wisdom and knowledge from God. And the more I began to read the scriptures, the more alarmed I became that we had been lied to. The church is telling these people, if you keep Saturday, if you go into a building on a Saturday, God likes you and you are okay with God. You are not okay with God. God wants you to have relationship with him by accepting his son as the savior and then living your life out and letting Jesus into your heart, into the way you think. You are not saved by your good works. Your works are evil. You are saved for good works by your faith in Jesus Christ. That is the new covenant. And that is found all the way, all the way in Genesis 15 verse 6 this is what it says verse 6 and he which i guess is abraham believed the lord and he counted counted it to him as righteousness having faith in god and christians are supposed to have faith in god and again in john 3:16 probably a mainstay verse the verse that everybody knows by heart John 3.16, this is what it says. John 3.16 says the following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Because that's faith. And when you believe in Jesus as the Messiah of God, as the emissary of God in the flesh, then God counts it to you for righteousness. That is grace by faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that so simple? It's relational, not informational. The Bible says in the following, it says the following in, in Romans, again, Romans, going to Romans. I didn't mean the podcast to be so long, but it just kind of evolved. And some things need to be stressed and reiterated. Romans 14, verses 5, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The gospel is universal. It's the gospel of God through Jesus Christ. But the application can be individual. There's nothing wrong with going into a building on a Saturday. Even if you find a bunch of people to go into a building on a Saturday, you can do that. But nowhere does it say that the person who declared herself to be a prophet of God, nowhere does it say in the Bible her name. If you, are, if you belong to a Christian church and they have another prophet, they have, quote, a prophet, unquote, that person is lying. Jesus is not going to be second banana to some other person. If you value your eternal life and you want to obey God, I don't tell you what to do. I ask you to think about deeply what I say. And what I say to you is turn around and run out of that church as far as you can and go find a Bible-believing church 
where the only prophet, the only savior is Jesus Christ and nobody else. Because if you are in a church that propels another human being and exalts them as a prophet or a savior, you are in something that is false and counterfeit. They might give you the Bible, they might let you read it, but most likely you will read the Bible the way they teach you to read it. Unless you are the kind of person who's going to trust but verify, I didn't do that. And when I found out, I turned around and attacked them. And it was kind of painful and hurtful what the things I said. And I do regret that. Because at the end of the day, it's my fault. It wasn't their fault for teaching me something wrong. People are always going to do that. What, the devil is always going to find a way to teach you something wrong and twist the scriptures. That's his job. And he's going to use religion, well-meaning religion that looks good on the outside, to do it. It's up to you to verify. It's up to you. God will make you a saint and he will sanctify you. But you have to be faithful to studying God's word. God is going to bring into remembrance things that you have studied, but he's not going to bring into remembrance things that you have never studied because in order for, for him to bring it into remembrance, you would have had to have studied it on your own self-initiative and then forgotten it. And he will bring it back to your memory, but he won't bring something to your memory that you've never learned in the first place. It's on you. If you say you are a Bible-believing Christian and Jesus is your Savior, then your study is on you. Please. Because if you are lied to, you will make bad decisions. And this is what happens when that happens. It says the following. And I've read this verse to you before. Second Peter 316 as Paul does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters there are some things in them that are hard to understand which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures the woman and her husband who started the church that I came from took the scriptures twisted it with you have to go into a building on a Saturday and form their own little gig, their own little church, which they used to their advantage, but they believed something that was wrong and they taught other people something that is wrong. And Matthew 24 says, in the last days, false prophets and false Christs shall arise and deceive many. You will be deceived if you don't study the scriptures. You will be deceived if you don't ask God, please, Lord, I want to see truth. Please show me, could I be wrong about what I have been taught? It's not your fault. You have been taught something that is wrong, but it is your fault if you let it continue. The Pharisees and the Sadducees knew that Jesus was telling them they were at fault. But did they say, yes, I'm going to repent, I'm going to humble myself before God, and I'm going to unlearn what I have been taught and unlearn what I have learned? A few did. Joseph of Arimathea did. Um, 
Nicodemus did, but the majority of them did not. What about Gamaliel? He seemed to defend um, the apostles because he said, if you want to beat these men, you better be careful because maybe they're speaking for God. And if they're speaking for God, it will continue and nothing you can do will stop it. But if it is wrong, it will die out. That sounded pretty open-minded. But I don't know whatever happened to Gamaliel. Which way did he decide? That I cannot tell you. My apologies for the podcast being so long. Colossians 2.16 says, Don't let any man judge you on a day or a diet. How you do it, that's your business between you and God. But the new covenant is different from the old covenant because the new covenant is in the heart. It's relationship with God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit indwelling in your heart. And the old covenant is not that. And my former church, they lied to themselves and they taught there was something that was wrong. And I believed them. And it was my fault for staying in there so long. But the Lord was kind to me. He got me out. And I need to tell you about it. And I have done so. I don't ask you. I don't tell you what to think. I beg you to please think about what I tell you. And put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Don't put your hand in the hand of a person who says they're a prophet, but they're not Jesus. Because most likely that person is lying to you, crazy, demonically possessed, and most likely dead. Jesus is alive forevermore. And you will be too, if you trust him. See ya.